Welcome. This is episode number not 26, not 24, but 25 of the 3 Now podcast. Welcome, ladies and gents. Brett Shavs, Ben Polk, Mike Cicchetti. You gotta find some stuff to mix stuff once in a while. That was very lame. Uh, Oh! Perfect! Could have done anything with... We're recording this on 2-22-22, the only time that's ever gonna happen. I'm gonna be uh, talking sparingly in this one because luckily we're only doing rankings again, going around, sharing our thoughts on our rankings. I'll let Brett enter that in a minute. I forgot my mic, so uh, I'm gonna be using Ben's mic, so... He so graciously is offering his handout. We're jumping into the next set of rankings here. Moving on, we discussed quarterbacks last week. For those of you who have not turned your dials to our most recent episode, we ranked the top 10 quarterbacks heading into the 2022 NFL season. All of us unanimously had Patrick Mahomes as our number one quarterback. It was a pretty shaky list. Joe Burrow was involved. Dak Prescott on some lists. Russ Wilson ranked higher. Definitely go check it out on all streaming services, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. But today we're moving on to the defensive side of the ball. And we're starting with pass rushers or edge rushers and defensive tackles. So instead of doing top 10 for each position, because we have two positions in this episode, we'll be covering the top five of each. So our top five edge rushers and our top five defensive linemen. Well, before we uh, oh. get a little too hasty here, Brett, we've got some news in the NFL, you know. All right, all right. Let's hear some that, news. Uh, Here's some news. Obviously, can discuss. First of all, <coughs> readdressing the Brian Flores situation that has been solved. Being signed as the linebackers coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, taking a part in their defense. Kind of surprising. Yeah, definitely from him being a head coach candidate in Houston to him now being the linebacker coach in Pittsburgh and defensive assistant, I believe, as well. For sure. Going to be working alongside Mike Tomlin in that defense. Brett, you are somewhat of our Steelers, uh, how you say, residence expert over here, uh, despite you thinking Mason Rudolph will be the starter. He will be! But uh, we won't be talking about that right now. What are your thoughts on the Brian Flores hire? You know, just looking at it from the bare-bones perspective, it's a good hire. Obviously, Flores understands a lot about the type of defense that the Steelers run. And considering the, the culture that Pittsburgh's built, I think it's a great hire. I knew the Steelers were going to be in some sort of conversations with him. They were in it from the beginning. If his head coaching candidacy didn't work out somewhere. So they now bring him in as linebackers and senior defensive assistant. The only caveat to this hire is you have to remember... Micah Parsons, who they brought in from Miami, left because he did not like Brian Flores. So now Flores is going back to a team where Micah Fitzpatrick did not like him, but he's handling the linebackers and not the team as a whole. So that's something to consider right there for a second. Will Flores have an impact on that situation? Highly unlikely, but at the same time, who knows? Um, But just looking at it from an overall perspective, I think... um, They'll put their differences aside, and this is a good hire for Pittsburgh. For sure, for sure. Probably the last thing we can touch upon here before we go into the rankings, you eager beaver, Brett, you. Uh, we had some discussions going on the past couple days or some Aaron Rodgers saga updates. We saw some social media posts that were 
uh, reacted to uh, just him talking about some of the things that went on in his life this year, thanking his ex-fiance, thanking uh, Randall Cobb and uh, his wife for some reason. Very interesting to the Friday crew. Uh, and he went on Pac McAfee today here on Tuesday and pretty much just said he has not made a decision in whether he is going to be moving on or staying in Green Bay, whether he considers retirement. That is still a possibility. Uh, I guess just kind of our thoughts on this past couple days. Me, myself, I honestly don't really see much of value in this conversation. I don't think it really pushes the needle in any way, shape, or form. Rodgers has done this type of post in the past uh, with his wide receivers and some of his close family and friends. Uh, whether that's off of his cleansing or whatever he said on the McAfee show, don't really buy too much into it. I think once the uh, front office for the Packers and Aaron get to talking, that's when the decision will be made. And I don't think that we'll see that for uh, a little while. I agree. I don't look too much into it. I think Aaron Rodgers at this point, he's just having fun with it. He's just playing to the fans who want a decision out of him. And he's just going to delay it. He's having fun with it. He said on Pat McAfee that he has no news regarding his future. And, I mean, at this point, only time will tell. The Packers GM <clears> has a <throat> press conference set up on Wednesday. I believe this Wednesday. So, we'll, we'll see what he says. I mean, at this point, nobody really knows. Is he on, is he on the move? Is he staying in Green Bay? Which I think is eventually going to happen. We'll see what BC has to say. Or uh, retirement in going to host Jeopardy, but we'll we'll see what happens. BC, what do you think? Yeah, obviously from a Broncos perspective, a lot of people are waiting for the decision eagerly. Me, I don't see much into this. Obviously, we knew for a long time coming that Rodgers was going to play into his ego a little bit, sort of delay the situation. I tuned into the Pat McAfee show today too, and it was pretty much the same spiel he's given every Tuesday, um, just kind of having the usual conversation with Pat. Um, but overall, I just think, like you guys said, I don't think there's going to be a major decision until he actually meets with the organization themselves and the front office. Rogers is a character, just to put it at that, but I don't think he's unclassy enough to really stoop down to that level and make his announcement on the Pat McAfee show or on Instagram. Um, if it's a big move like this, he'll let the insiders handle it and sort of let the NFL work it out for themselves. Um, but in terms of a whole, you're probably not going to see a Rodgers decision on what happens until probably April, in, at least in my guess, March, mid-March to April. Seems like a fair guesstimate here from our – taking a fan's perspective on both sides here with the Broncos and the Steelers. Wow, Brett. Yeah. Oh, we like to see that. But with that, I think we got rid of pretty much all the news. We're in these – first week without football so not too much news on the docket but like Mr. Shobbs mentioned we got a couple top fives to work on since we're getting into a defensive position here specifically with the edge rushers and the D tackles I think we'll go into the defensive tackles first since I think that list is a little less climactic if I don't have to say so myself what do you think Mike? Yeah, I mean, I talked to the guys earlier. I said, are we going to keep it top five or can we go top eight? Because there are going to be some snubs on this list because it's only a five-man a five list. 
Well, there are gonna be there are gonna be a lot of big name honorable mentions for, for sure. Everyone. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do we want to do what we did last time and do the honorable mentions before number one? Yeah, yeah, that works. We can we can do that. Seems like a good plan here. I guess we'll turn over to uh, to a resident defensive expert here, Mike Shaketti, to start us off with number five on his DT list. So. To start off my list at number five, I have Colts defensive tackle DeForest Buckner. All right, just get some stats up here real quick. DeForest ended the season with seven sacks, 68 combined tackles, and he is one of the staples in that Colts, not only D-line, but that whole defensive unit as a whole. He's one of the biggest pieces, one of a great trade that the Colts made to acquire him from San Francisco for a first-round pick. It just seems like, I mean, the number five spot was tough for me to pick anyone because there were, I've, all my honorable mentions, you could make arguments for them to be in that five spot. So just go, heading into next season, which all these lists are, obviously, I have DeForest Buckner above all of uh, the honorable mentions. DeForest at five. Yeah, throwing it over to me. Um, I also have DeForest Buckner at five. By far, I think the Colts won this trade with San Francisco a few years ago. Um, at first, it was a little skeptical just because of how much San Francisco, or rather Indianapolis, was giving away. Um, but looking at the value that San Francisco used that pick for, hasn't really turned out to be much yet. So um, for me, the winners, obviously, the Colts. And Buckner's been solid the past year. Seven sacks and 68 total tackles, as Mike mentioned. Um, and a lot of things that people don't really consider when you look at the Colts defensive front is how much pressure they're able to consistently get on the quarterback and it all starts with DeForest Buckner you talk about other guys like Isaiah Rochelle Quiddy Pay. no it all starts with DeForest Buckner rushing in from the middle he's able to expose the guards and get to the quarterback consistently um, so for me he's probably the unsung hero of this list and I got DeForest Buckner here yeah I have a different number five here going a little bit astray uh, a little bit of Titans bias here, perhaps, but I have Jeffrey Simmons as my number five player here. Simmons, first time in the Pro Bowl this past year. A bit of a, not a sophomore jump, but a junior jump here for Jeffrey Simmons in his third year in the NFL with eight and a half sacks and 42 solo tackles. He was named to the Pro Bowl, as mentioned, and I believe he was also ranked second team all pro so really big jump for Jeffrey Simmons him and Harold Landry really dominated that defensive line for the Tennessee Titans which really showed up not only in their playoff game but throughout the entire season I thought it was one of their biggest strengths all season and Jeffrey Simmons was definitely a part of that I give him a little bit of credit just because he's a younger player over some of the uh, older players or maybe less proven players on the list. I think Jeffrey Simmons is here to stay. And with that, I have him at number five. I'll quickly transition into number four because I have DeForest Buckner. So we can kind of keep the ball moving here, DeForest Buckner. A little bit of a down season uh, from what we saw in his first year with Indianapolis. I definitely think that he was really a force to be reckoned with in that first year. And him and uh, Darius Leonard really combined for lethal one-two punch on the defensive line with Darius Leonard, the linebacker, of course. A bit down of a season for DeForest Buckner was still named Pro Bowler, I believe, but I think he was a replacement. But still named to the Pro Bowl. He's still a very quality player. Uh, 
San Francisco, just talking to a resident San Francisco expert, JC7. Shout out, JC. Sorry the Niners didn't make it all the way. Niner gang for the win. Um, but regardless, he was very upset that they even considered trading DeForest Buckner in the first place, let alone having it happen. Uh, he values this player a lot, and I do as well. Having him, Doctor Defo is his nickname. Apparently, uh, didn't know that, but that's a little weird. Uh, I have DeForest Buckner at number four. Yeah, going to my number four. Um, I have Cam Hayward from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cam Hayward is really, in my opinion, overlooked in a lot of senses when it comes to the spotlight for defensive linemen. He's sort of aging a little bit. He's in his mid-30s, kind of on the back end of his career. But in 2021, he had a solid season. Pro Bowl caliber, was able to get to the quarterback. He had 10 sacks, 89 total tackles, 60, rather 53 of those were solo. I have nothing else to say really about Cameron Hayward. He's really been the reason why the Steelers have been able to generate pressure from the front three other than the edge. Obviously, T.J. Watt, that explains itself. Um, but when it comes to other pass rush generation, it starts with Hayward. Um, and they've done a good job really building him up from when they drafted him originally to now. Um, and I have him here at number four. I think he's well-deserving of it. My number four is basically the only notable defensive player on this team this past season, Jonathan Allen from the Washington now Commanders. Jonathan Allen was the only bright spot that I can think of in that Washington defense who was so strong in 2020, Ben. The sweaty boy? Montez Sweat, he he's for sure a valuable piece, but he was just in and out with injuries. He had to get his jaw wired shut for a uh, fractured jaw, I believe, for a few weeks. So he, he was inconsistent. Chase Young with the ACL, which was tough. But even with Chase Young, I know the name is big. Jonathan Allen is far and away the most valuable piece on that D-line as of right now. And him and Deron Payne are a great uh, two two-headed monster at the defensive tackle position. That whole D-line is insane. So Jonathan Allen had to show some love for uh, one of my teams, the Washington now commanders. My number three is one of my favorite players in the league, Chris Jones from the Kansas City Chiefs. Chris Jones had a down season this past year, but what he adds to that defense is really you can't match it. When he is out of games, you can tell that they're missing a uh, spark and energy on that defensive front because they really have no one. You have the uh, Willie Gay and the rookie um, Nick Bolton now as in the linebacker core. Frank Clark really hasn't been that punch that they expected him to. But Chris Jones, have to show him some love. Even though he had a down year, he is my number three defensive tackle going into this next season. I'll quickly transition over because I also have Chris Jones at number three. Jones is probably the most valuable piece on that entire Kansas City defense. He's kind of saw Tyron Matthew miss a bit of time in the Buffalo playoff game, so you really got to see that how much of an impact Jones has, and uh, maybe that's more valuable than Matthew. Matthew's up for free agency, so... Chris Jones, you mentioned it, missing some time, only played in 14 games, so missed a bit of time there. Still had nine sacks, forced fumble, 18 solo tackles, so still very solid numbers. 
uh, Pro Bowl caliber season once again. He is one of the master classes at the position, and it's hard to rank him any lower than three, so that is where I have him. Moving to my number three, um, Mike mentioned him earlier, Jonathan Allen from the Washington Commanders. In my opinion, there's absolutely nothing scarier. When you're lining up as a center and seeing Jonathan Allen with that wicked face mask dropping down and getting ready to sack your quarterback, Jonathan Allen has just been able to play so consistent throughout the past two years. And for me, this year he was the face of the defense. He was. He was. If, if um, Chase Young didn't get hurt, I would probably say it'd be Chase Young, but it's Jonathan Allen at this point. But still to that, like I mentioned, Chase Young has the name value yeah. and the face value, but when it comes to actual defensive play... It's Allen. Right. At, as, at this point, there's honestly no debate. Yeah. He had nine sacks, 62 total tackles, 31 of them were solo. The other 31 were assisted, so even split. Um, but Jonathan Allen, solid player. For those of you who know me, I'm a massive jersey collector, so his commander's black jerseys next on my list. Um, so Jonathan Allen, number three for me. All right, and I guess it's over to me for number two. At number two, I had Chris Jones from the Kansas City Chiefs. When I come to think of impactful players towards the top of the list, Chris Jones, to me, is one of them. The other one you'll see very obviously later, just in a few moments. Um, but to me, Chris Jones, as we mentioned earlier, is really the star stud of this Kansas City defense. Nine sacks, eight, uh, 27 solo tackles, but makes a lot more of an impact than what the stats show. Um, he's able to just consistently get pressure, move up on the quarterback, and he's able to really rally that defensive line together that doesn't have as many pieces as people think they do. Um, but it all starts with Chris Jones. So when it comes to impact and the way he's able to rally a defense, I put Chris Jones in number two. Now, this makes me question because I feel like we all know who number one would be. I don't know if you just forgot about who I have at two or if you just believe he's below everyone. I have Vita Vea at number two. Vita Vea, the brick wall. Vita on, Vea is a brick wall. I'll give you on, that. On that defensive line, just signed a big extension through 2026 with the Bucks. He is the only defensive lineman on Tampa, I believe, that's under contract for the next few years. Every All the other three are um, up for their contracts, all the starters. Vita Vea is, was the best defensive tackle this past season in the league. And I think he's going to carry that through to next season, even when their defensive line play isn't as strong next year, which I don't expect it to be unless they make huge moves, which I don't really see happening. I think he's going to even elevate his game that much more to uh, kind of supplement the, the loss of those those pieces on the line. Very, very interesting. So we all have separate number twos. I don't have Yudavea or Chris Jones. I have Cameron Hayward at number two. Cameron, I love this. Cameron Hayward was first-team All-Pro, ranked among the defensive tackles on – Football reference, he had the second highest value of any defensive tackle this past season. He had 10 tackles and 53 solo tackles. And when you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Big Ben now being gone, and you think of the vaunted team that they've provided over the previous few years, 
you got to think of Cameron Hayward, the impact that he provides, along with someone that we'll be mentioning in the edge rushers list and TJ Watt. But those two are a lethal tandem. And even Cameron Hayward at age 32 still provided a all-pro type season. So him able to do that at that type of age, it just shows that age is just a number for this guy. He has shown his ability to just stay on the field and provide at a very high level. So I have to give the respect to Cameron Hayward and have him at number two. I guess we'll go into some honorable mentions. I had both Jonathan Allen and Vita Vea on mine. Uh, I only kept it to a couple because we had a smaller list. And pro- I think a top seven, top eight was pretty valuable for this. I think when mm-hmm. we get to edge, I'd have a much longer list to work with. But what do you guys have for your honorables? Um, I had two for my honorables. Vita Vea was one of them. The other one was Larry Ogunjobi from Cincinnati. Um, I feel like people overlook a little bit of how much impact he makes. He obviously was in the lower end, but I had Ogan Joby there as well. Yeah, two of mine that you guys mentioned, Cam Hayward, Jeffrey Simmons. I also had Leonard Williams from the Giants. Uh, really, really big fan of uh, Leonard Williams' game. I guess I'll talk about Super Bowl champion Aaron Donald, our number one defensive tackle. Yes, we do need to talk we need about to, We need to give Aaron Donald a Because spotlight. we need to talk about his greatness. And I want to just want to just talk about Aaron Donald for a second here. And the fact that this man is considering retirement at age 30, which give him all the credit for even having the ability to do so. He is an eight-time pro bowler, a seven-time all-pro only year that he didn't do it was his rookie year, which he was the defensive rookie of the year. He is now a Super Bowl champion. He is one defensive player of the year three times. But this guy is the face of the Rams. He is the face of their Super Bowl championship, along with all the superstars that they have there. When you think of the Rams in the previous few years, you think of their success. Aaron Donald's probably the first one that you think of. Yep. He is arguably still the best defensive player in the league he has been almost his entire career if not his entire career i think he is close to being dethroned but until he shows any sign of slowing down i don't think i can replace him not only at the defensive tackle position but in just talking about defensive players in general want me to jump into edge rushers now hold on go ahead you were sparing to talk about aaron donald so i'll play this clip in replace of you talking with 11 percent body fat that is unheard of i am an aaron donald stan he's an aaron donald stan. <laughs> yeah that's that's very true with 11 percent <laughs> body fat well uh, that was pretty cringe but you know uh <laughs> i liked it i liked that well it was you speaking so of course you liked it if we want to go into our edge list I guess we can start that off. Brett, you want to go ahead here? Yeah, I'll kick off the edge rushers, pass rushers here. I'm starting mine a little different. I got Vaughn Miller at number five. And here we go. (laughs) You can say all you want, bias this, bias that. Vaughn showed in the Super Bowl and the playoffs he's still capable of playing at prime play. But... Obviously, it was a little aggressive than what Vaughn's done in the past. Nine and a half total sacks between Denver and the Rams. He's got 50 combined tackles on the season. 
unless I'm seeing something different, it still looks like Vaughn's playing some pretty crazy play. It looks like he might come back to the Rams this season, although he said he's going to test free agency. Whatever team he ends up on, he'll obviously be one of, if not the biggest factor on the edge, unless he ends up with a team that has another monster edge rusher like Cleveland, like Pittsburgh. We'll see where it goes, but for me, I have Vaughn Miller at number five. I think there are guys that could have also been at five in this situation, but I picked Vaughn. All right. Well, I'll turn it over to a <laughs> sensible person. Not that, oh! not that Vaughn is that egregious, but uh, I'll turn it over to Mike. This I said five was tough for DTs. Five is even tougher for the edge rushers. I guess we're just going to do this. Uh, number five, I got Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa at number five. He is the only factor in that Chargers front seven. It's it's tough for me to put him here, but it feels like the best thing to do when I look at uh, my other honorable mentions uh, in terms of heading into this next season. This past year, obviously, you would rank him lower than a few guys. But going into next year, I just think he his impact will be bigger. Very interesting. Very interesting. Seemingly all going different routes here. Uh, I know I am going a different route here. Thank you, Mike, for putting my jacket not on the ground. I'm going to be going with Mad Max here. Max Crosby. Ooh, I like that one. At number five. I think, I think I got the right answer, to be honest with you. Mad Max, 17 games played, eight sacks, 36 solo tackles. Nothing too crazy. But he is arguably one of the most impactful players on that edge line, I think he is. What are you doing over here, Mike? Yeah, I'm just adding a point. I believe he had one of the highest pr uh, quarterback pressure rates in the league this past season. That is Nogaba. Also, nickname of Mad Max with two X's. That's pretty, that's pretty lit. Pro Bowl year for Max Crosby, his first time he was a Pro Bowl MVP. Not that that's very important, but it's still pretty cool. Uh, he's been a great player for a couple years now out in Vegas and deserves some recognition. He had a really phenomenal year. The numbers don't really add up, but when you just look at his uh, approximate value and the way the PFF ranks him, it is a very high up rank and high value for Max Crosby. He's one of the scarier players to any quarterback in the league, and I want to value him that way. So I have Mad Max, Max Crosby, at number five. I will transition here very quickly to my number four, big old Cameron Jordan for the New Orleans Saints. I have Cam Jordan at number four. This is a seven-time Pro Bowler. He's a one-time All-Pro player. In, 12, in 16 games, excuse me, 12 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles on the season. Pro Bowler this past season, Cam Jordan, probably one of the more underappreciated uh, superstars at the position. I think there's some young guns that have really impressed over the past couple of years, but Cam Jordan has been Mr. Consistent. Him and Sean Payton down there in New Orleans really know how to work their defense. They've really had a good crew for a while now, and I think that Cam Jordan really leads that up. He's done a phenomenal job. He is a great personality as well. If you've seen him talk, uh, he did some stuff in the Pro Bowl as well. I'll give him a shout-out for that because that's – he didn't need to do that, but he did. So I really appreciate that. 
um, making it a little bit more entertaining for myself. But still a very great player. I think he's underappreciated, similar to Max Crosby. So I'm giving some love to both of them here and uh, have him at number four. Ben's going to harp on me for this one. This man was a top five pass rusher, not only this past year, but the year before, and he will carry this into next year, and I am certain of that. Wasn't sold on him after last year. I have Trey Hendricks in that four. Ooh, that's, um... You know what? Something to show how big of a man you are is being able to go back on your bad takes, something that you said or completely wrong about, and rectifying it because of that. And you having Trey Hendricks sit on here, I think that's a statement of you, Michael. So talk about Trey. Absolutely. I appreciate okay. that. And that's the thing. Like, every time I critique a player, I'm not hating on the player. If you do better and prove me wrong, I'll 100% give you your credit. Exactly. Like Ben said, I hate the player, hate the game. Trey Hendrickson is my number four on the list. He was uh, the league leader or second in sacks. In 2020 with the Saints, a lot of that was uh, clean-up sacks from Cam Jordan creating the pressure. Wasn't sold on him, signed a big bag in Cincinnati, and he did the exact same thing at a more efficient rate with the Bengals, with the uh, Super Bowl runner-up team, should I say. Trey Hendrickson, one of the best pieces on that defense alongside Jesse Bates at the safety position in Cincinnati. I don't know. He's... He's different. He, he just kind of like jumped on the scene too the, the past two years. So I, I got to give credit to Trey Hendrickson at number four. All right. Lastly, moving to my number four here. Nick Bosa, in my opinion, is one of the best athletes I've seen come out of San Francisco in most recent years. 15 and a half sacks, 52 total tackles. Where I have him placed at number four could be a question. You guys may have him higher on your lists. My list is a bit of a gamble as it goes on. Um, but I have Bosa here at four. Love his game. I've sort of critiqued him a little bit in the past. On Sometimes he can be a little inconsistent. But this year he played his first full season and was dominant. Um, dominated time between Armstead and Javon Kinlaw. I have Bosa here at four. I think it's a good pick, and that'll finish four. And that'll take me to number three, which is my strangest one. Um, I have Chase Young at three. I like it. I like it. Chase Young obviously barely played a lick of snaps in 2021 because of his ACL. Um, but as we agreed upon in the first episode, we're basing a lot of these rankings based on projections going into 2022. We are. If Young's able to come back and produce the same numbers that he did in his rookie season, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind he's a top three edge rusher in the league, if not top two. There's a chance he's better than Miles Garrett. He's just so explosive and powerful off the edge, and he's able to get that upper side on the tackle. We, we talked about it going through the 2020 draft as well. He's one of the best athletes in most recent years to come out of the draft just because of how explosive he is and how dominant he can be on one side of the ball. Again, this is all pertaining to if he can come back healthy and 100% consistent. Um, so in, with those reasons, I have Young as my number three. I like that. I like it. My number three, I have Nick Bosa. I see the the top three 
edge rushers in my head as they're all like a step above the rest of the guys, but all three of them are all steps ahead of each other. So they're in a tier of their own, but each of them have their qualities to put them above one another. Exactly. I agree, but I disagree. I'll let you speak that. So I have Nick Bosa at number three. He came out was uh was on demon time his rookie season had the ACL or Achilles injury I believe ACL ACL in 2020 which obviously knocked him out of play. And this past season he came back and was a kind of under the radar comeback player of the year candidate. Had a very good season for the San Francisco 49ers, and like a lot of these guys, far and away the best player. Well. Yeah, I'll give it to him. I think he's the best player on that San Francisco defense, especially the defensive front. Uh, Nick Bosa. Even better than Fred Warner? That That's what I was debating him with, but in terms of just clutch and uh, uh, big playability, I'd probably take Nick Bosa by a hair. I think Nick is probably a year away from becoming the most valuable defensive player in the uh, NFC. I also have Nick at number three. Uh, Pretty much the three-two-one on this list is my three-two-one on defensive player of the year. Um, Aaron Donald probably be at four, but these three are probably a smidge ahead. Um, with what I was saying about the tiers, I would say that two and one I think are a little bit closer, but I do think there's a gap between Bosa and the next two. Mm-hmm. Bosa, like you mentioned, great numbers. I think the big concern with with Nick was. Similar to his brother Joey, was he injury prone? Was that uh, ACL tear a fluke? Also, I don't think this was talked about too much, but the disappearance of Robert Sala going to New York, how was that going to affect the defense of San Francisco, which would have been one of the most dominant in the league for multiple years with Kyle Shanahan at the helm? Didn't see that much of a difference. The corners were a little bit weak, and the secondary could use some improvement, but the D-line was still very strong. I was not a concern for most of the season with San Francisco. Nick was very underrated this season, I would say, 15 and a half sacks and was barely talked about. He was phenomenal coming off that major injury, and he is a explosive player. And he his I don't think he's as noticeable as the top two in guys like Micah Parson, Matthew Judon, Trey Hendrickson that make a lot of big plays. I think Nick should be like recognized as such. I don't know if he maybe I just didn't watch enough Niners games this year, but I don't think he got the recognition that he really deserved. And this is why I really want to harp on it here that Nick Bosa is very much coming into his own right now in front of our eyes. He is right behind Aaron Donald for the best defensive player, most valuable defensive player in the NFC. Uh, And that's some high praise right there. My number two, another one of my favorite guys in the league, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is a perennial defensive player of the year candidate as long as he stays healthy. And we've seen that for the past few seasons. The way he is able to generate pressure off the edge in Cleveland is a honestly something that not even a handful of guys can do. Uh, his consistency at creating the pressure and just his size and I don't even know. He's just he's just a monster, a monster off the edge and a nightmare for opposing offensive tackles. Miles Garrett, I mean, there's not much more to say about him and how dominant he has been his 
whole career, essentially, Miles Garrett is my number two. Yeah, I also got Miles Garrett. Um, I feel like when it comes to this conversation, these these two players, obviously the first one we'll talk about in just a moment, are always just back and forth with each other on who's the better man. When it when it comes to me, I look at Miles Garrett at this point as number two. At one point, he was number one on my list, but as this guy at number one established himself more, kind of slid back a little bit. Regardless, though, Miles Garrett. So what what Mike said was. He essentially had Garrett as number one until this past year, and then they flip-flopped. Regardless, um, Miles Garrett, there's not much to say. He's just established himself as one of the best edge rushers of the generation between him, Bosa, Von Miller in the early times. Yes, I threw in Von Miller just because I wanted to. I and it. Ben's killing himself for it. Um, hammering in a point. <laughs> Um, but at the end of the day, when you have 18 sacks and 51 total tackles, that deserves some credibility at the top of the list and the top of the mountain. So, Miles Garrett, number two, man. Yeah, I'll round it out here. I also have Miles Garrett at number two. Unlike you guys, I was given respect always to the player at number one, but just wanted to see some recognition for Garrett as well. You mentioned his health. He hadn't been healthy, uh, played a full slate of 16 or 17 in a couple years. Still was All-Pro uh, first team last year and Pro Bowler. Did the exact same thing this year, boosted up his sack numbers, boosted up pretty much all of his numbers in general, uh, was still the same in solo tackles, but improvements everywhere. Miles Garrett is who I'd give the title of most explosive defense player, uh, specifically on the edge, I think. He is, oh, he is a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. He is the one where if there was a player that you would like put up the money on for like four or five sacks in a game, Miles Garrett has done that like multiple times in the past couple of years. I don't think anyone else has done it more than like once, if if that. Miles Garrett has been unbelievable. He has a graveyard of quarterbacks in his front yard. Yep. He is that cool. Uh, maybe maybe insane. I don't know. I, I think it's pretty cool. But Miles Garrett is such a fun player. He's It's just unfortunate that we haven't gotten to see him fully unleashed in the playoffs. We saw him for that bit of a run that uh, Cleveland had a couple years back. But you know what? Hopefully this year upcoming is for Cleveland because we'd really like to see Miles Garrett on a national stage. And, yeah, I, I just want to see some more exposure for Miles Garrett. Before we get to our number one, which likely seemed consensus, but you never know. We have, might have some wild stuff. We'll go over our honorable mentions. For me, I had a few here. Joey Bosa, which was previously mentioned. Trey Hendrickson. Uh, Khalil Mack. That's hard to kind of see the drop off there for Khalil Mack. Obviously, a bit of an injury-riddled season. Pretty much taken over by Robert Quinn, which if we're qualifying him as edge he would be another honorable mention yeah. here uh it's matthew judon edge yeah, he's, edge. he's edge so i had matthew judon on the list as well he was pretty much probably the last one i was eliminating if we were counting him but we we are so he was probably the last one and uh, i guess i would have chase young here on res- just respect and uh figuring that he can climb that mountain a little bit higher 
but we'll have to see how he bounces back, similar to Nick Bosa. Going over to my honorable mentions, I also had a few. Um, Trey Hendrickson, Cam Jordan, Matt Judon was on my list as well. Um, Joey Bosa. Um, yeah, the, the five guys that I really wanted to name are, are here. So those are my four honorable mentions. A few guys I had. Mine, what would have been my number six who I was debating uh, at number five for Joey Bosa was Max Crosby. Like Ben had mentioned, I also had Vaughn Miller. Good to show some love to him. Chase Young, obviously my favorite player in the league. And a guy who's putting numbers up. One of the most underappreciated guys, Chandler Jones. Yep. Got to show love to Chandler Jones. Um, So those were my honorable mentions. Alongside Alex Green. So I was begging... Mike to give me back the mic on this one because this is like the only reason and this player is like one of the few reasons I have any interest in the defensive side of the ball for the NFL TJ Watt is so good I'm so glad we all got him a number one right that's that's good okay TJ Watt unbelievable year matching Michael Strahan 22 and a half sacks. This is unheard of. Unheard of. 15 games. He played two less than big old gap tooth. No, one less. It was 16 Well, one less. So, he likely would have broken the record if he played in entirety. This is the second time he's led the league in sacks in his career. He has finally overcome, for some reason, still was in JJ's shadow. Don't know why. Because T.J. Watt has been one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL for a few years. He is arguably, if not arguably, the best defensive player in the league now. I'll kind of just jump in here. Um, I think T.J. Watt's the best defensive player in the NFL. Far none. Um, Yes, Aaron Donald is there. We know Aaron Donald, what he's capable of. But what T.J. Watt managed to accomplish, not only last season, but this season, when you think of a guy having 22 and a half sacks alone, it, it's just practically impossible for some people. But when you look at T.J. Watt and the things he's able to do in Pittsburgh, it's remarkable. And I think Keith Butler shaped this defense so well to where T.J. Watt's able to harness his full potential. I, I just can't express enough respect that I have for Watt. This might be on the bolder side, but I'd beg to differ to say that T.J. Watt, at this stage in his career and his prime, was better than prime J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, oh, wow, he's leaving. He is gone. Gone. Mike did not like that whatsoever. There's an argument. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Because I, I, really I don't have a bull in this fight, so. What I'll give you is that it's too early to tell. Yeah. I will agree with you on that. There's an argument for now. I still disagree. I don't think that TJ Watt it's it's tough to it's tough to argue at this point because of how still early on early on in TJ Watt's career it is. JJ Watt was the guy. He was the man. He was what, three three defensive player of the year awards? J.J. Watt was um, was the face of the defense 
in his prime with Houston. TJ Watt can do it. I'm not saying he can, but I just think at this point to say prime TJ is what, past two seasons, would you say, is better than JJ in Houston? I think it's a little early. It's it, it's There's a case. I don't think what there I'm, is. What I'm going to say right now, and I'll just justify it a little bit here, if you look at the way their careers are starting to shape out and the teams that have been built around them, it's almost identical. J.J. Watt has been so was so relied upon in Houston to keep things under control for a game because Houston never had a quarterback to help them lead them to offensive success. They had DeAndre Hopkins. They had Lamar Miller. They had Arian Foster, Andre Johnson, this and that on offense. But they never had someone to help them. They never had the coaching staff on offense. So the defense was so reliant, and a lot of it was put on J.J. Watt. It's the same thing with Pittsburgh when you look at it right now in 2022. T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward are going to be so relied upon on this defensive side of the football because there's nothing on offense to help out with a leader. As of right now, your quarterback room is Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. That's it. If you think of the quarterbacks that J.J. Watt had in Houston during his prime, Brandon Whedon. Actually, Tyrod Taylor was after that. It was Brandon Whedon, Brock Osweiler. Bingo. I can't even think of all of them. Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub. The atrocious names that have come out of that organization. But what is what is this point you're making? How do how do the, the, the quarterback? The narratives are very similar. Oh, okay. The narrative okay. is almost identical. Okay. So if this shapes out the way I think it's going to, then TJ Watt is on pace to be as good, if not better, than JJ was. I can't I can't really fight in this argument. Just. I can look at numbers, but I can't really say the like nature of watching J.J. Watt in this prime. I did see him a decent amount in his MVP year and, or his second-place MVP finish um, and just how valuable that was. I will say that like T.J., like this should be a two-time defensive player of the year, at least in my opinion. Yeah. I thought he should have won it last year. Um, respecting Aaron Donald and giving it to him was a respectable choice. It was definitely a one-two uh competition i do think tj deserved it so there would be some more fight in that but regardless the fact that we're even having this conversation says a lot about what tj's doing oh yeah he's at age 27 now so he's got at least a few more years i would hope in his prime i guess the conversation would be is he able to repeat a season like this or would he regress to what he's been previously in 2019 2020 which i would say miles garrett can hit which is why, to your point earlier, Mike, I would say that I would still value them at the same tier. I don't know how feasible it is to t- for T.J. Watt to repeat a historic season like this, and that's why I'd give Miles Garrett a chance. But like I mentioned, like I've been T.J. Watt's like one of his biggest fans since probably 2019 when he really had that first big year. Even he had a really good year in 2018, so I shouldn't even say that. But regardless, like just the fact that we're comparing him to prime JJ and have him like valued so significantly higher over a great player like Miles Garrett. It says a lot. Top 10 running backs. That'll be next week. Be sure to stay tuned for that. Signing off for now. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you find your streaming services. Brett Chavez, Ben Pope, Mike Giacchetti. Signing off for now. Take care. Brush your hair. Wet your hair. Ah, I see what you did there.